Well, hey, just as Pastor John said, um, my name is Pastor Andrew. I kind of oversee the discipleship and everything that entitles that around here. So if you've got questions about Jesus, your faith in Jesus, how to grow in your faith in Jesus, who is Jesus? Maybe you're new to all of this. <clears throat> Come see me. I would love to have a conversation with you about that. Uh, so we are picking up in this series, and I really want to start off where Pastor John left off uh, last week in John chapter 1. And this is really the premise of what we're talking about. With Advent, with all of the things we can talk about in this season, and all the things we can look at, and all the, the ways we can try to figure out how to make Jesus, to coin the phrase, the reason for the season, one of the things that we really want to know is that Jesus is the true everything that we need to know. He is the true light. He is the true hope. And as we're going to see today, he is the true love of all things that we need for the redemption of our souls. Amen? And so there's no other name that we can actually preach about, sing about, talk about that has any form of redemption than that of Jesus Christ. Amen? So we're going to start in John chapter 1, and it says this, verses 1 to 5. It'll be on the screens. In the beginning... The Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God, and God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light that shines in darkness and that darkness can never be extinguished. That is good news, that Jesus himself, the light of all nations, the light for you and I living in a place of darkness, he is the true light, and darkness can never extinguish it. That is good news. You ever been like a kid, scared of the night, and your nightlight went out, or like the lamp in your room went out, and you're like, oh, okay, now I'm petrified, and I have to go to the bathroom, and it's three o'clock in the morning, what do I do? The light of Christ never goes out. Darkness cannot extinguish it. Our troubles and tribulations and trials on earth can't extinguish it. Christ is all-sufficient, what you need, and he is always just as close as the mention of his name. That is the Jesus we are talking about today. And this is good news. But here's the thing. If you know the Advent story, or you like their chocolate calendars, ah, there it is. You will know that Jesus didn't come as a full-grown man to earth. Jesus didn't come as a military man kicking down doors, throwing people to the wayside, and just taking over Israel by force. How did Jesus come? He came as a baby. And there was a promise that was given to all of the nation of Israel and the entire earth through Jesus being born as a child. And what we're going to actually find is, if you've been hanging out with me for any length of time, what you know I like to do is show you how the Bible is actually one big cohesive story from Genesis to Revelation. It's one big story, and that most times the really important things we need to know about Jesus and Scripture are all the way through it, all the way through it. And what we want to do is we want to kind of set up this first question. And, and if you're taking notes, this is what we want to look at, as why was this promise, I know, it's not very good, it's okay. 
Why was this promise needed? Why was the promise of Jesus coming as a child, light into darkness, why was this promise needed? And one of the great things about this is that actually we have to go to the Old Testament to figure this out. Now, for the sake of time, I'm not going to read you three whole chapters of Old Testament scripture. So just be at ease, be at peace, all is well. But we do need to look at a section of scripture in Isaiah chapter 9, specifically verses 2 to 7. And there are three things we need to look at here. Now again, for time's sake, I'm not going to rip apart every piece of this, of this text, but we do want to take a look at what it's talking about. The verse starts off saying, the people who walk in darkness, they shall see a great light. And the first promise we're given is a light in a land of darkness. Now, what does that mean? That sounds very poetic. That sounds very good. But what does that mean? A light in a land of darkness. Ever since sin entered the world, the world has not been great. If you have not noticed, it has not gotten much better. And we, because of sin, have lived separate from God. Because of sin entering the world, wars and death and man coming against man and nation coming against nation and all of this turmoil we see happening around the earth, no one could fix it. The nation of Israel was such in a dark time that it had no hope. It had no reason to have hope, but they were awaiting something that was promised. And the prophet Isaiah talked about it. The people that walk in darkness, they will see a great light. This is not suggestive. This is direct. You will see a great light. It will come. In your moment of darkness, in your moment of wondering, in your moment of tension, there will be a great light. And there is a great light, and it does shine. We are not alone in this Advent season. This is, this is the beautiful thing. That Jesus' coming wasn't just for people, it's for an entire nation, it's for the nations of the earth to know that Christ, the one who was going to reign and rule in peace and forever, was coming. It will happen. It's a definitive. It's kind of like when your parents say, if you do your chores, you will get your allowance. But if you don't do your chores, you will get grounded. Both are definites. One has a promise, one has a consequence. But here the prophet Isaiah is saying, you will see a great light. It will come to you. As we read down that verse, and I really do suggest going home and reading all of Isaiah chapter 9, it says this, later on in the verse, it says, For he will break the yoke of slavery and lift the heavy burden off of their shoulders. He will break the oppressor's rod off of you. So not only was light coming, light was coming to liberate. Light was coming to set free. Light has come so that you and I can live in freedom. That the pressures of life, the pressures of our broken nature, the pressures of being separated from God, Jesus says, I am going to relieve those pressures off of you. And not only to you, to the entire nation of Israel. 
That's good. This is the whole story of Advent. A light will come and it will liberate. It will. It's not an if or maybe or gamble. Definite. It will do this. But what is this light? It's not like we just flick on a switch and boom, there it is. What was this prophet and all of the prophets and kings and writers of the Old Testament talking about that Israel was awaiting? What were they waiting for? It says this. The boots of the warriors and the uniforms bloodstained by war, they shall all be burned. They will be the fuel for the fire. And you guys probably all know this, but for us, a child is born. A son is given. The government of rest will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father of the Nation, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with all fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. This is the light that came into the world. Mighty God, wonderful counselor, father of the nation, prince of peace. Jesus coming into this world of desperate darkness and despair and decay was saying, not only am I the light that you need, not only am I going to come and restore and liberate, I'm going to be God in the flesh with you. This is the promise that Jesus gave both you and I and the entire nations of the earth. This is a part of the Advent story that we celebrate the light of Christ, the light of God himself coming in the form of Jesus to liberate, to set free, and to establish his eternal government of peace forever. That is good news. But there's more. Advent not only is a season where we remember the coming of Christ, it actually, when you study it out, it actually means that we are awaiting the return of his eternal kingdom forever. It is a remembrance of what happened, but a hope of what is to come. That your king has not forgotten about you. No matter where you find yourself today, the light of Christ has come to you and is coming back to restore you to completion. That is good news. But here's the problem. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. So how is this a loving thing? How is this, when we're looking at Advent, how does this translate into a gospel of love where Jesus came as a child, but he's coming back again? What do we do in the middle What do we do in the here and the now? Well, there's a couple things that we really need to look at is about the love of God. How many people are thankful for the love of God? The grace of God, the compassion of God, the mercy of God, the long suffering with God. For those of you who don't know what long suffering means, just switch the wording. It's suffering long. Ah, see, makes sense, right? But the love of God is what all of this is based around. Jesus didn't come to earth because he had nothing to do. Jesus came to earth because he loved those who were living in darkness. 
And he loved those who were yet to receive him as Lord, which is us in the room. But if it's really important to Jesus, here's the question. And if you've hung around me for any length of time, and if you've been to our deeper nights, I'm not a guy that just likes to throw out facts without reason. And I believe the Bible has a whole pile of facts for us and has all the answers to our questions if we do the work. Amen? Where is love first mentioned in Scripture? It's a great question. It's not in creation. It's not in the Gospels. Anyone have an idea where love was first mentioned in Scripture? No, that's why you came here to hear this. That's why. (laughs) Someone was thinking it. Genesis chapter 22, verse 2. How many people remember the story of Abraham and Isaac? Everyone remember that? Everyone remember the story about when God told Abraham to go sacrifice Isaac? Yeah, we're going there. Might be a dicey one. Genesis chapter 22, verse 2. This is God speaking to Abraham. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much. This is the first time we see God mention the term love or something that someone loves so much. This is the first time, and it involves a sacrifice of obedience. Now, you might think this is kind of dark. Where are you going? Just hang out with me. We're going to go somewhere. And then God tells him, and go to the land of Moriah, go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I will show you. So God says to Abraham, the son that you've been waiting for, I want you to go sacrifice him, okay? Oh, now for those of you that don't know, Abraham had waited quite a number of years to receive his son Isaac. And he wasn't great in the meantime. He took matters into his own hands and that didn't go very well. We don't have time to get into that. But Isaac finally came. Ah, the one that that, that God promised me, my only son that I love. And God says, I need you to go sacrifice him. Now, I don't know about you. I would have some questions if I was Abraham. What do you mean? But notice the wording in Genesis 22, verse 2. The one you love so much, your only son. Who does that sound like? Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son. So hold up a second. So the wording that God uses to describe his son Jesus, who came to die on our behalf, God uses the same language in Genesis 22 with Abraham talking to Isaac, your only son, the one whom you love, the one you've been waiting for. Now, obviously, you guys know the story. Abraham goes up, ties Isaac down. They're about to do the deed. God says, no, I just wanted to test your obedience. He provides the ram. It's all good. But here's the interesting thing. 2,000 years later, at that very same location, Mount Moriah, is the exact same place Jesus Christ died on the cross. The exact same place. The first place we see love mentioned in scripture about an only begotten son being sacrificed to please God is the same location 2,000 years later where Jesus Christ, the only begotten son of God, died on your and my behalf. 
It's the same place. The first time love is mentioned is actually giving us a prophetic fulfillment about Jesus' work on the cross. The same place, the same wording, the same imagery being used. The one that Abraham loved had to go and be sacrificed to please God. The one whom the father loved sent his son so he could be sacrificed for you and I in the exact same location 2,000 years later. That is the first time we see love mentioned in scripture anywhere, and it involves a prophetic imagery of Jesus dying on the cross. The Bible is one whole story. Names are important, hard to pronounce, I get that, but places are important as well. So when God the Father spoke over his son, behold, this is my only begotten son whom I love, they knew in the Jewish community, hold up a second, that's what Abraham said about his son Isaac. And Isaac had to be sacrificed. Wait a second, what's going on here? The wording shows the love of God starts with a sacrifice. And this Advent season, the love of God for you and I was based out of Jesus' son coming and sacrificing himself on behalf of you and I. That is the Advent story. The great light has come. Why? Because he's liberating us from our sins and our separation from God. Those who have walked in darkness. You ever walked in darkness? And I don't mean at three o'clock in the morning when your nightlight goes out. Don't know where to go. Stumbling through life, trying to figure out maybe some of your weeks have been a little bit daunting. Maybe some of your months, maybe some of the past couple of years have been daunting. Guess what? The light has come. Not just in a remembrance of what we remember back at, back at Advent, but for what's coming. The kingdom that is still unfolding. Jesus is sitting on the throne, still ruling and reigning on behalf of you and me. This is the good news. And we see that love is first mentioned in the book of Genesis at the very same location Jesus will die 2,000 years later. That's how accurate the Bible is. That's how accurate scripture is. And that's how accurate God wants us to see all the way through the Bible. Even Leviticus. With all those things you can't pronounce and have no idea what they're talking about. All of those things point to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And his death and burial and resurrection for you and I. That's good news. That's good news. But then there's another question. And this is point number three. How's a kid going to fix this? How is a young boy being born going to fix all the troubles of the world? Now, if you remember Pastor Michelle's last message, she talked about King Josiah. Do you ever remember King Josiah? Yeah. How many, how many people here have, 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 or either have had young kids or have young kids? So Josiah was eight years old when he took the throne. Now, picture this for a second. Picture your eight-year-old child on their birthday, full of ice cream and cake, surrounded by all their friends, and a whole pile of presents on hyped-up sugar. That was what King Josiah was on the throne, an eight-year-old boy. 
Do you think he really knew what he was doing at the best of times? But God has a way of bringing children into the picture to show us something very, very interesting. And it's the fact of children and the innocence that they have, they have no preconceived ideas of what they're there to do yet. There's a thing in scripture called the age of accountability where they take on the responsibilities of what they're supposed to do. And we see this happening with Jesus. Jesus as a baby, when he came in, how is this gonna be the light of all nations? The same way, how could your eight-year-old child be a king or a queen and run a nation? How could a child bring peace and everlasting joy to all the people of the world? How is a child going to bring me back into relationship with Jesus, or sorry, through Jesus, into the Father's love? How is this child going to stop all the evils of the world? And not only that, how is this child going to set up a kingdom that knows no end, reigns in peace, restores the brokenhearted, heals the sick, <clears throat> raises the dead, raised himself from the dead, seated at the right hand of the Father, making petitions behalf of you and I so we can be brought in. How is this child going to do that, being born in a stable? How is this going to work? Well, here's the great thing. Romans chapter 5 tells us this. It's going to be on the screens here. Romans chapter 5. This is Paul writing, and he says this, And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for all of us who were sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us, sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. That's great. What does that mean? What this means is the whole reason why Jesus was born as a baby is because he had to eventually die a human death to atone the sins of mankind. Why did Jesus have to come as a baby? Because he had to grow up and he had to come and learn all the ways that God was leading him up to the cross for 33 years. Why? Because eventually God put him on the earth to eventually atone all of the sins of mankind. That's why Jesus was born as a baby. He was born so God could use him as a substitute for you and for me. That is good news. That Jesus took the place of you and grow. This is why the celebration of Advent is so important. Why did Jesus come as a baby? He had to grow to become a man, to take on the responsibilities of becoming a rabbi. He lived a sinless, perfect, not one dot or a wrinkle was in his life whatsoever. He died a sinless life on behalf of you and I. 
Because sacrifice, when it comes to the atoning of sin in the Old Testament, required blood. And only God's blood could save us from the darkness he promised he would deliver us from. This is why Jesus is the true light. Jesus is the true hope. Jesus is the true love. Why? Because in Christ, you and I are made whole. In Christ, you and I have a hope and a future. Sure, things might not look 100% great right now, but guess what? Right now is not going to last because there's a kingdom that is coming that the peace of Christ will ruin forever and ever for eternity. And you and I get to be a part of that. Advent is when we remember, God, this is when you started that work for me and the promise of what is coming if I endure. He promised it definitively. This, you will see a great light. It is for you, it is for I. This is why the gospel message is so important. This is why you and I learning how the love of God can transform us is the most important message we have to give. Because there's nothing else that can transform us. There's nothing else that can change the hearts of men or women around you. There's nothing that can change you except Christ crucified, risen, making us one with the Father. This Advent season, friends, not only should we rest in the hope of what came, but rest in the promise God gave you. Because just as much as he promised back in Isaiah and back in John chapter one, the light will come. Christ came at just the right time. He is never late. Sometimes he's early because he loves us. But he has not forgotten his promises to you. He has not forgotten the very things he's promised to your family. He has not forgotten the moment's intention when you're like, I don't even feel like praying right now. But God's work in you is sustaining that hope of a kingdom that is yet to come. This Advent, don't just remember the very thing that God did. Be thankful for the very thing about what God is doing in you and what he's bringing you to for a future glory. Because friends, he has not forgotten about you. He's not forgotten about your family. He's not forgotten about all those things that you prayed in the early mornings and late, late nights. He's heard them all. And he is faithful. He is good. He is just. And this is the light that came into the world. Christ Jesus. I'm going to make some room just to respond to some of this. If you could all just stand with me for a second. We're going to close here pretty, pretty soon. But I want to make some, some time just to really respond to this whole message about God being the true love. It's a very simple message, Advent. But here's the thing. Oftentimes we talk about a lot of it, but we don't receive it very well. Head knowledge will never get us into heaven. A heart transformation will. And so if you're here, actually, if we could all just close our eyes and just bow our heads just for, just for respect for people in the room not because it's magical. Maybe this is not quite the love story you were thinking you were going to hear when you walked in this morning. But maybe this is the first time you've heard of what we hope and long and await for when it comes to Advent. Maybe this is the first time you have heard the love of God expressed in such a way 
that all since the beginning of time till now, God was setting up us to hear the good news of His Son dying on behalf of us so we could be made right with the Lord. If this is the first time you've heard this gospel message and you know God is pulling on your heart, knowing that I have to get right with God, whether this is the first time you've heard it or maybe there's a recommitment that has to happen, could you just slip your hand up real quick? I'm not gonna give much time, but just if there's someone that needs, just needs to rededicate just in the sight of God, knowing they have to get their lives back on track with the Father. If that's you, just slip your hand up. Awesome. And now for, for those who have received Jesus as Lord and Savior, maybe there's some work you know that the Lord is doing in your heart. And maybe you've just kind of lost a little bit of endurance. The hope has kind of run out a little bit. The autopilot button has been on. Things that you know that you love to do for the Lord seem to be taking the back seat. Or maybe this, this Advent season is just taking a toll on you and there's just too much tension and pressure and everything else that can come with this season. We don't wanna let a space go by where we don't let the body be the body for the body. And so if you're in this season and you've given your life to Christ and it's just been an absolute teeth grinding season for whatever reason, could you just slip your hand up? Because we wanna make space. We wanna make space to pray, yeah, yeah. Or maybe there's portions in your heart where you know, maybe God, I haven't been giving you all of the reverence and the honor and the glory you deserve. And I need to be more focused on giving you all my attention. Or maybe you've been putting your trust in other things, thinking God will just work it out because he knows my heart and that's fine. But you've put God on the back seat. If that's you today, we wanna to pray for you as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna invite the prayer team to come up. And what I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna pray over all of us generally here, but if you want prayer for anything specific, we're gonna make space for that. We're gonna take time and all the time we need to to make sure that us as a family, we're all together here knowing that Jesus is faithful to the promises that he's given us. And so God, I just thank you this morning, God, for this word that Jesus, you are not slack concerning your promises to us. God, I thank you that you are good and you are just and you are faithful. You are trustworthy. And so God, I just ask for all my friends in the room that have raised their hand, God, knowing they're in a season of tension or need to be refocused on you. God, I just thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're working in their hearts. And God, I just wanna just remind all those in the room that are just praying right now that there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ, but the very good work that God has started in you, he will complete it at his coming, but he will perfect it each and every day towards that day. And so God, for all my friends in the room, for those that need strength, we just ask for strength. 
For those that need peace, we just ask for peace. For those that need resolvement, God, with decisions that have to be made, God, would you give them peace in those moments? But God, would you relieve them off of the oppression that they may have been feeling when they walked in? Like it says in Isaiah, you remove the weight of the oppressors off of our shoulders. So God, we give you thanks and praise for all that you're doing. Strengthen my friends in the room. God, and keep on hounding us with the conviction to lead us down the paths that lead us to life. God, we thank you for all that you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen.